The Talk of the Street is brought to you by Donahue Solicitors, an award-winning firm of expert compensation claims lawyers. Donahue Solicitors represents claimants throughout England and Wales in their civil actions against the police, data breach, personal injury, and professional negligence claims. To start your compensation claim, go to www.donahue-solicitors.co.uk or call 08000-124-246 today. Oh. Hey. Sorry. What's this then? Winter, what do you call it? Wonderland. Mm, how do you like it? Well, I get a better idea when it's finished. Well, it's pretty much done. I like a boy with a sense of humour. Come on, Cerberus. Don't you drop anything outside Santa's grotto. They'll have your guts to go Ho ho ho, hello and welcome to episode 83 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Coronation Street catch-up podcast that's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. And isn't it amazing how quickly Michael can turn around a shitty wasteland into a winter wonderland when he takes it out of the hands of the bloke from Bread, I'm Gavin. And I'm contrite. You're contrite? Why are you contrite? Because we didn't record the podcast last night. No, we didn't. It's this all is, my fault. It's all your fault. It's all my fault. I'm glad when it's all your fault, that means that <laughs> I can blame you entirely. Oh, it's a Saturday morning podcast again. I'm not really a, that much of a fan of Saturday morning podcast, but hey, there you go. We're here. We're kind of awake. Get used to it. That buzzing's come back. <laughs> We're just going to have to go through it. There's a buzz, and I don't know where it's coming from. We've taken everything apart I, and put it all back together. Out. We've unplugged things, we've plugged things back and again all that we can be sure of is that it's somewhere on my side of the desk. Mm. There's a ghost in the machine. I have no idea what it is. So that noise yeah. I'm not even sure it's getting picked up. It probably is. Yeah. Try and ignore it. <laughs> it's it's Casper. So how are you this week? And this festive week. This week before Christmas. Busy. Our last podcast before the new year. Busy. Yeah it's been busy. Presents to wrap. Mm-hmm. Presents to buy, mm-hmm. kid to get new glasses for. You don't get me started on that. <laughs> and uh, we had, um, I had, um, we had a Stelly's Christmas band concert. That was quite good fun. It was good. Except it's, it was very short. It was, which was perfect. <laughs> it was fifteen minutes, right? With, with commentary from the the conductor. So right, it was only like maybe seven, eight minutes worth of music. And uh, it was in the auditorium this year as opposed to the gym, which was nice because we didn't have to sit on the bleachers and break our backs. Uh, bleachers terrify me. <laughs> I always feel they're going to collapse. <laughs> it's just, they, don't, they don't look sturdy. And you can see all the way down to the floor through your feet. And I'm always conscious that I'm going to drop my phone or <laughs> not that I should be looking at my phone. Then. No, but you should be recording on your phone. Mm. Yeah. You record <laughs> these things and never watch them again. Well, no, but it, I record them so I can share them with family who can't Fair be enough, there. never watch them. <laughs> My mum and, and John watched them. You think? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's at least half true. <laughs> <laughs> but So we got comfy <clears throat> seats, but then we couldn't see her. And she was so upset at me because... I could see her. I made her, I made her, you know, wear a nice dress and put a little 
she had and I gave her a little uh Christmas brooch with a little mouse holding a Christmas tree and and everything and she looked really nice. She was looking festive. But you couldn't see her. Well, I couldn't see her. You could see her. So I could see her. Bobbing about, she's playing her trombone. Yes, LeBron James. Why is it called LeBron James? I don't know. <laughs> she has a trombone called LeBron James. Yes, she named her trombone LeBron James. <clears throat> As you do. <laughs> As she does. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh. then uh, we had the the city volunteers and employee Christmas party. On Christmas what? Party. What do you think of when you think of parties? Free food and getting to hang out with people and festive music. All of which was there. Mm. Was it? Was it though? Mm. <laughs> it was a dull affair, I think. There was no <clears> trivia. It was crying out for trivia. There, there was no a big parties. wall that you could have got a wee projector to. There's no, uh, you know, there's no spot there's no with games. photo props that you could take photos Nothing with really for kids stuff. to do. And kids were invited to it. Yes, it We didn't just bring family. yours to spite people, did we? No, the, no, there were other children there. Right. Oh, well. Oh, well. Shall we preamble, my dear? Yes, please. I've got things to do. Yes, yeah, so do I. Corey News. Panto, panto, panto. It is panto season for members and former members of Coronation Street. Tristan Gemmel, Robert. I'm not sure if he pronounces his last name like that. I've heard it pronounced funnily, but it looks like Gemmel to me. I I agree. I'm just going to say Gemmel. Let's go for it. I'm an American, so you've got to assume that I'm going to mispronounce shit anyway. (laughs) Is currently playing Captain Hook in Peter Pan. Katie McGlynn is also starring in Peter Pan as Tinkerbell. Uh, Faye Brooks is playing Snow White, formerly our Kate on Corey. Who? Faye Brooks. Oh. Is playing Snow White. Katie McGlynn, who it was Sinead. Oh, I know who that is. Yeah. I'm making a joke about oh, Kate. About Kate, yeah. And Kim Marsh is on stage in Elf the Musical playing Jovi, Buddy the Elf's girlfriend. I don't recall Jovi being her name in the movie. Yes, it was. Was it? I mm-hmm. thought it was Joy. No, it was Jovi. And the reason that I know is because that was one of the questions in last year's HR trivia. Was it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently the show is doing quite well. It has been... It's touring, I think. Yeah, it's been performed in Liverpool. And Glasgow, and it will be performed in London this weekend. So, good on you, Kim Marsh. Right. Walking away from Michelle and playing the girlfriend of elves. She's not walked away yet. Well. As we shall discover. She kind of has. I think she had her leaving party, didn't she? She had her leaving party like a month ago. Right. So, she's, she's no longer filming. She's gone. She's gone. Right. She gone. We still see her, but she gone. Right. Yes. And that's Corey News. With some Panto, help. Panto, Panto, Panto. <laughs> they got some help from. Oh yes. From listener Nancy for that. Yes. Thanks once again, Nancy. You really helped out because I had a sinus headache and couldn't be bothered. 
An additional uh, bit of Corrie news for you. Sue Johnson, who played barmaid Gloria Price between 2012 and 2014, was in Would I Lie to You with Bob Mortimer this week. Oh, why didn't you tell me this before the podcast? I forgot I'd written it down. <laughs> Bob Mortimer's just the best guest ever on Would I Lie to You, and he's just as good this week. Good. They don't use him as much, though. Hmm. Usually gets a couple of bits. We only got one bit, but it was a very funny bit. Our mailbag. Chris... And to say I'm in the very wait, wait, rare... Wait, wait, wait. Chris, that one? Or Chris, yes, that not one. that one. That one. Oh, okay. I'm in the very rare situation of being totally up to date with the programme and your podcast, so I'm going to try to have a comment on this week's proceedings submitted in time to be included in the relevant edition of your show. Fancy. Woohoo! What? And then he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> we had some suggested moments of the week, which I posted on Twitter uh, last night when we... We realised that we weren't going to be recording. Yeah. Got some suggestions. Nancy was back in touch. She thought uh, Carla and Roy, Michelle and Irish Tina, Nick and Sarah. So three moments of the week. Getting value for your tweet there, Nancy. Then Christy thought that Nina trying to come to terms with everything was her moment of the week or an emotional moment of the week. Roy desperately trying to make things up to her. Carla bringing up losing Aidan while still lacing in some humour with Roy's picnic and Nina's sarcasm. We will just have to wait and see what our moment of the week was. Ooh. Hindsight Corner. There's nothing in Hindsight Corner. <laughs> I don't know if this means that we're getting better at what we're doing or I just don't notice them anymore. <laughs> and nobody, nobody seems to write in to tell us we've got something wrong. No. Although... Somebody tried to write in to tell us that we got something wrong on the Facebook this morning, didn't they? Yes, they did. <laughs> they seem to think we're the, we're the show. We're I the think. show. That our Facebook page is the Facebook page of the show. So we got a little. And we're not. We got a little diatribe going about Irish Tina. Do you mean Vicky? You must mean Vicky. I've never heard of such nonsense. Pathetic or something yes, along those yes, lines. Yes, she called us like... pathetic. <laughs> but she called us pathetic thinking that we are the actual show. So I'm not taking offence. I'm not taking offence anyway. It doesn't <laughs> matter what anybody thinks. <laughs> it was just funny that she'd been a, a... She's liked the Facebook page for a year. And I think it's only just realised that we're not the show. And clearly doesn't listen to the podcast. No. So... I liked uh, one one of our actual listeners responded to her with a facepalm yeah, emoji. Was Debbie. <laughs> Thank you, Debbie. Yes, thanks, that Debbie. Made, that made me laugh. It did make me laugh too. <laughs> and somebody other than us liked the facepalm. Yes. So I think that was Fiona. Hi, Fiona. <laughs> it's last year tonight with me, John Oliver. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Last year tonight, we were conversational Spanish. And then in brackets, Feliz Navidad. Oh, okay. But we're conversational Spanish because... Who was learning conversational Spanish? Oh, I don't remember. It was Sally in jail. Oh. Okay, I was going to say Ryan because he was going to go off to Ibiza again. No. I was Gavin and you were blindsided by me saying I was almost an American. Because that was really started about this time last year. Yeah, yeah. I, it came up in my Facebook memories. Mm-hmm. I got Exciting. the notification to go through for my interview at the at the immigration centre. And then we thought that the the whole citizenship thing would be in the next week or possibly that day. 
And it was four months later. <laughs> Roy and Evelyn are arrested for suspected deviant behaviour in Roy's Woody. Kate tries to get her hole off of Adam. Brian vomits over the governors and Phil the Wank gets fired. That was one of my low points of last year. Brian suspended by his belt at the Nativity play. Right, which gets a callback in the show this week. It does. I don't <laughs> mention it because it was such a low point. When he just vomited several times over the governors. Yes, that was funny. Oh, I didn't think it was funny at all. You don't like vomit humour, though. Tim is mostly drunk. Except in Pitch Perfect. Yeah, it's funny in Pitch Perfect. <laughs> Tim is mostly drunk. The moment of the week was the Rovers regular standing up to Brian, no, standing up for Brian against Phil, and our boring moment was Liz, Eileen and Sean deciding not to go on holiday together. Oh. And that was Coronation Street and the talk of the street. We were doing boring moment last of year. the week. Mm-hmm. We've been doing more than one boring, boring moment, moment of, of the week, week since we've been doing this last year tonight thing. Oh, okay. Mention it every week. Oh. Every week. Okay. Good to know I've got your attention. Shall we dive in, my dear? <laughs> yes, please. Our first storyline tonight is our last storyline tonight. So let's move on to For the Love of Quad. On Monday at Chesney's, the babies have kept everyone up all night. Paul thinks that they can make people take turns to look after them literally force people to look after their babies. Chesney isn't so sure. Gemma thinks that one of her boobs is bigger than the other thanks to all the milk she's been dishing out and she's feeling bad for needing help. Kirk is there and suggests a production line of babies and Paul thinks this is worth a shot. Didn't they suggest this last week? Or a couple of weeks ago? I think so. So this has been treated as a, as a new suggestion. I don't think it is. No. Kirk singing has done the trick and has got all the babies asleep. But now he needs to go to the vet, so he leaves them a CD of his singing. <clears throat> Which seems to work. Yeah, his singing seems to work. Yes. His stupid songs. He's got a lovely voice, though. It's not I a bad like singer. The idyll is broken when Ches gets a call from Freshco's. They've heard the babies are home and they want a photo shoot this afternoon. Right this afternoon. Right. Right up there this afternoon. Which is ridiculous. Well, they want their... They paid a lot of money for this. Right, yeah, but the babies have just been home. They're preemies. They shouldn't really be exposed to a lot of people right now because they're preemies. They could be endangering the lives of these babies who they paid a lot of money for to watch grow up. Mm-hmm. And to, and so it's it's dumb. So Chesney calls back Tara and instead of them going to the photographer, the photographer is going to come to them. So Tara and the photographer... The photographer arrive, just as Gemma's talking about how much she loves the quiet now. The Fresco's people snoop about the house for some reason. They were very... They seemed disappointed that it was so clean. It seems, was that what it was? Was that the joke? It seemed like they wanted it to be a bit messy. Because remember, the photographer like tosses a few nappies and things on the couch in between them and says, There now, artfully messy. And, like, oh, there's right. a tagline about, you know, when you're as, as tired as, as a mom of quads, you can always count on fresh goats or something like that. Oh. Yeah. So I just thought they were being really, really nosy and snooping about the house. And they didn't seem, they seemed, inte- they seemed intent to find something messy. So when they opened the cupboard and all that shite fell out, they seemed kind of, I don't know, I was kind of focused on Chesney and Gemma being embarrassed by that and not mm-hmm. what. The photographer and Tara seem to think about it. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. So, the photographer and Tara are keen to take photographs of them looking poor and struggling. And after they leave, Gemma's worried that people are going to give them a hard time because they're having a hard time. 
Chez insists that they can do better than their own parents, so chin up, girl. Mm-hmm. And that's as far as we go with that this week. Uh-huh. It's pretty exciting stuff. Not really. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad the quads are okay. I'm I'm glad that we have a happy family here. But it's basically just the same thing every week now. Them being stressed and tired and then turning people away who offer to help. I right. still... I, why turn Rita away when she's offering to help? That's because of storyline, I'm sure. Yeah, but still, it's stupid. That whole thing gets more stupid, but we'll come to that. Yes, we will. Our next storyline tonight, because... This morning. Ah, oh, damn it, yes. <laughs> <clears throat> it's a winter wonderland. You're walking in a winter wonderland. On Monday, Michael is busy trying to get the winter wonderland sorted out. Ed comes in excited that James is playing the first team tonight. Well done, James. Woo-hoo. Michael ropes them both into helping in his Winter Wonderland scheme. And it looks shite, but Michael is pretty happy with it. He has an ice rink being delivered, and it's unclear if he's joking or not. Imran wonders if he has any limited liability insurance, and Michael insists that he does. Does, but he does Michael have does insurance? No, of course he doesn't. No. I wonder if that's going to come back to bite him in some way, shape, or form. I don't think so. I think the whole coming back to bite him is something else. Oh. A home that he would require insurance for? No. No. Then why mention it then? Uh, just to be funny, oh. I think. A home Ed is dressed as Santa and is not happy about it. He's covered in hives, he says. Well. Michael t- tells him to think of the kids, but Aggie, she's digging the sexy Santa vibe. Right, yeah. So all of a sudden now Ed is it's very happy <laughs> that he's Santa Claus. On Wednesday... Michael and James talk about the Winter Wonderland. It looks like there's stuff arriving for it and it might not be a total shit show after all. Ed is home and agrees to help because he doesn't have a job to go to and Ed encourages Grace to let them... Ed encourages Michael to let Grace see the wee girl at Christmas. Mm-hmm. Michael seems to have achieved a Winter Wonderland miracle. Even thinks it'll be even better when it's finished. She calls it a Winter Watch, call it. Yes. Ed checks to see if Michael has been in touch with Grace, but he hasn't, so he does, and it seems to work. Or he seems to get through to her anyway. Right. So Michael's at home with a massive panda, and Aggie's annoyed that Grace and Tiana are only visiting today and not Christmas, but Michael is made up. So Aggie's annoyed that this, these people that she's met like a couple of times right. aren't dropping everything to be with her on Christmas Day. Well, she, wants, reasonable? she wants to see her grandbaby on Christmas I can kind of understand that, but no, it's not reasonable. No, it's not. The extent of the Winter Wonderland is actually quite ridiculous. Where is it? Where's <laughs> what? The Winter Wonderland. Because it's not in the street. It's in like one of, it's like in the alley where they have the um the um car um car boot sales and stuff. Where where Big Garth usually it sells his wares. The block from bread. Yes. Where he sells diamonds and stuff, where Chesney used to work. Oh, right. It it seems ridiculous that Michael has been able to kind of single-handedly turn that whole thing into some kind of right, well, massive he, Rockefeller-style grotto. Apparently he has friends in high places. Who knows? <clears throat> the bloke from Bread is thrilled, saying that there's so many suckers spending money they can't help but make some cash here. Yeah, I didn't like that because he seemed the other day to really just want to do something nice. The book from Bread? Yeah, he seemed to really be into Christmas. Did he? When he was talking with Michael and when Michael agreed to help him. You know. Oh, I guess, maybe. Hmm. And, and, and a smart a smart grifter wouldn't be 
speaking very loudly amongst all of the people at his winter wonderland that there's a sucker born every minute sort <laughs> of true. thing. This is not the sort of conversation somebody like Big Garth would be having No, surrounded by people. Thankfully, all those people that they were surrounded by are uh, actors in non-speaking roles so they Correct. can't tell anybody about it. No. Later, no, Michael is uh, fretting about Grace showing up or not. And later, Santa Ed quizzes Michael on Grace's lack of appearance. He doesn't think it's fair and suggests contacting her again, but to seem relaxed about it because Michael's worried that he's going to come over a bit stocky and creepy. And stressed. Back home, Aggie has a place decked out with Tiana decorations, but then Michael comes in. He doesn't know where Grace is and hasn't been able to get in contact. He's confident that they'll still turn up, but Aggie isn't so optimistic. And later, Aggie suggests that Michael gets a formal agreement with Grace because this is just chaos, she says. Ed isn't happy about Aggie's involvement, but Aggie doesn't think Michael is able to make rational decisions where Grace is concerned. And Aggie does kind of have a fair point that if he had regular visitation, then he'd be able to see her regularly, you know, and not have to be dependent upon Grace's whims. Hmm. You know, but they both need to sit down together and come up with a visitation agreement if that's going to happen. It can't be Michael forcing it on Grace, but just saying, we need to sit down and do this. And more, it can't be Aggie forcing this on anyone. No. I can see where Michael's coming from, though, because he's trying to take it kind of loosely and mm-hmm. because they're only just getting to know each other. And right. He doesn't want to become overall forceful and... Right. And dickish about this when yes. he hasn't really seen this kid for, what, nine months? Correct. In fact, did he know he even had a kid? He knew she was pregnant, but she took off before she had the baby. Right. So he had never met his child. And apparently they didn't, at the time, try to find her or go after her or notify the police and say... Or mention it. This, this woman has run off with my unborn child... Because apparently you're not allowed to do that. Mm. Take a hint, Michael. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> oh. It's his uh, baby, though. Yes. He's cute. I'm glad that he's had some success, though, with his Winter Wonderland. Yes, or at me least too. it seems to. Because yes. all these scams beforehand, well, not really scams, kind of just, uh, what would you call them? Well, the unicorn Opportunities. Thing. The unicorn thing seems to still be working. I'm surprised Tiny didn't show up at the Winter Wonderland. You would have thought that that would be right up his alley. Decked out as a reindeer, perhaps. Yeah, or just, you know, a magical Christmas unicorn. A magical Christmas unicorn. Is that a thing? I have Christmas unicorn wrapping paper right upstairs. How much of it do you have? (laughs) This might save me a trip. Maybe enough to take care of the rest of the presents I have to wrap. Oh. I may still have to go buy some more. How many more... Do you have to wrap? Because and, and how are you planning on getting these to Connecticut? <laughs> I'm not quite sure yet. But because really, we will have a, a minivan that doesn't have a huge amount of space in the back. We'll see what we can do. And we'll have luggage. Yeah, well, we're just going to have to pack light. <sighs> <laughs> I know, I've, I've been wondering... Is there like a, a luggage rack or something on top of the minivan, do you think? That we can We don't have a thing to put in. We've got we've got tubs and we can go get some uh, bungee cords. Not a hope in hell are we doing that. Why not? Because it's not aerodynamic. It'll get blown off. It won't get blown you off. You know it'll get blown it off. It won't get blown off. We're not doing that. 
My family used to strap luggage and stuff to the top of the minivan all the time growing up, but nothing ever flew off. Yeah, because your dad's a genius. He is. <laughs> oh, I have something to tell you that I'm not going to tell you now. I'm going to tell you offline that it's not going to make your Christmas. Oh, well, tell me I can cut it out. <laughs> It's the same time every year. <laughs> it's always the same for... In hell. Okay. Our next storyline tonight... <laughs> like you know when you're in an argument you know and then the phone rings so like you're yelling and screaming and, and arguing with somebody and then all of a sudden you're like hello mm-hmm. <laughs> our next storyline tonight is half brother from the same mother for at least two of these episodes Aww. on Mon- oh r.i.p it's a good character i don't know why we get rid of good characters on monday roy's taking one of his model railways over to richard's calling it additional stimulation I'm not sure for who, and I'm not sure that's true. He reminds us of helping out Nina and Richard being without a carer, because we'd forgotten about that from last week. Richard isn't all that impressed with the train set, even when Roy narrowly avoids an accident by switching the lines at the last moment. Then they chat about Sabutio, and it seems Richard had a fledgling football career with County until injury ended it at 16. He still loves County, although he doesn't get to the game so much in these days and he's dying and stuff. Right. Roy's back at Roy's rolls and speaks to Kirk about getting a scarf for his brother. He offers to buy Kirk's, who, of course, is happy to help. And not only that, Kirk takes his top off and gives it to Roy as well. Thankfully, Kirk is wearing something underneath. <laughs> so, Kirk, is, Kirk is my hero on this show. Back at Richard's. Roy gives Richard the scarf. He's dying to learn more about this phenomenon known as Wethy County, says Roy. As they listen, it sounds like James has scored right at the end of the first half because they're listening on the radio. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. Nina gets a call and sneaks out, and when she comes back, she announces that the new carer is starting tomorrow. Either way, Roy insists on coming round. So the next day comes, and Roy's turned up at Richard's, and Nina, who seems to have one change of clothes, doesn't want to leave until the new carer arrives. Roy will wait for the carer, and Nina can go off to college, so that's what happens. It's ten o'clock, and there's still no sign of the carer, and Roy admires Nina's tenacity, and Richard thinks Nina might trust Roy now. It's like Paul's sweatpants all over again. Right. Oh, by the way, <laughs> Peter Ash has assured me that Paul will be wearing jeans with his holiday jumper this year. Did he? Yes, he did. <laughs> Wait, did he do that? On the Twitter. <laughs> That's brilliant. On your Twitter or the show's Twitter? The show's Twitter. Superb. Why haven't I seen that? <laughs> Roy phones back to the cafe and Aggie tells him there's a leak in the freezer, but she salvaged the food and is cooking it all up so it doesn't go to waste. She mentions a chicken curry with blue cheese. Ha 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 ha. Roy is appalled and tells Richard. Oh, and then a tuna and liver tartlet. Ha 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 ha. And a dog turd sandwich. Eggs with ketchup in the yolk. No, no, no. You can't have ketchup on your egg. You just can't. Why not? It's wrong. I like it. Just wrong. 
Scrambled egg, though, not fried egg. I like ketchup on scrambled eggs, not fried egg. You can't have it on a fried egg. You can't have it plopped on the on the yolk of a fried egg. That's just that ruins, it just looks bad. It ruins the whole because fried egg. Because it looks egg. bad. And you can't have baked beans next to your egg. Oh, that's rubbish. You can't. I plop baked beans right on my egg. No, no, no. On a fried egg? Or put the fried egg on top of my beans. No, no, no. Alan Partridge <laughs> is right on this. You need to use a sausage as a break water. It's up to... No, because then I mush my egg up with my baked beans and eat them that way. Oh, God. Delicious. Animal. <laughs> anyway, Roy is appalled and Richard tells him to go back to the cafe to sort it out. Roy is unsure, but Richard insists that he won't get into any trouble on his own for half an hour or whatever. Liar. So, <laughs> so Roy's uh, back at the cafe and is now doing all the cooking and sends Aggie off to help with uh, Michael's Winter Wonderland. He calls Richard, who seems to be struggling for breath, and the carer still hasn't arrived. Roy calls back Aggie, but she's already left. That's because Richard, for some reason, decided that this was the time he was going to get out of bed. He'd run out of water. And he had a cough, so he wanted some water. And he'd run out of water. So for the first time in in (laughs) months, he's gotten out of bed by himself. Which is just the dumbest thing. It gets dumber. Uh, Well, yeah. So Richard says that he's going to call back if he needs anyone and then he goes to get his glass of water and he goes into a coffin fit and collapses. Roy phones Richard to his manage to get back to bed. He pretends that everything's fine although the carer still hasn't come. Roy says that he'll be setting off soon and Richard, who still hasn't got his water, has another go but for some reason this time he takes his oxygen off and then he has another coffin fit and then slumps on the ground. Oh, and he's broken his glass. Yeah. So he's he picks up the broken glass and is trying to carry the broken glass all the way to the counter instead of just setting it on the bookshelf or something. Right. Roy finally gets to Richards and finds him out cold on the floor and he quickly phones an ambulance. The ambulance are performing CPR on Richard when Nina arrives. Roy tells her the carer never came but neglects to mention that he'd been out gallivanting all day. The ambulance crew do their best but Richard is like his royal namesake under the parking lot in Leicester. He did. Quite dead. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I find that funny. What, he, he did? did. Mm-hmm. Later, Nina's quiet and realistic about her dad's chances. Well, I guess what her dad's chances were. Right. But she's surprised that she wasn't better prepared for this. Nina is officially an orphan, she says, but at least she's dressed for the occasion. Roy insists that... It's good that she has a sense of humour about herself. Right. Roy insists that Nina comes to live with him for the time being. He promised Richard he'd look after her, and she reluctantly agrees, and he gives her a minute to grab her shit. Nina has got in Carla's room because Nina, for some reason, didn't want to sleep in Roy's bed. That's understandable. Very understandable. Yeah. Roy explains what happened today and that he left Richard for too long. His brother died alone and he's angry at himself. He wants answers. Why didn't the carer show up? Not sure what difference it would have made, but anyway. Well, the, the, the carer would have gotten him a glass of water. <laughs> and so he wouldn't have had to overexert himself and then die. Then Nina bumps into Carla, and Carla offers her condolences while Nina apologises for hijacking her room. Nina's curious where Roy is, and Carla says that Roy is off to complain to people who were supposed to be caregivers and how Roy had left her father for a spell. This is news to Nina, obviously upset that her dad died alone. So Roy gets home, and Nina gets torn into him for abandoning her dad. Carla pleads that she hears Roy out, but it's not enough. She accuses him of leaving Richard to die. J'accuse. Alone and abandoned. And she storms out. She will never forgive him. Do you think she'll never forgive him? No. <laughs> she'll tries eventually to, forgive him. Carla tries to console Roy, who is now comparing Richard with Haley. 
He failed his brother in life and now in death. Carla calls this nonsense. He's incapable of letting people down, but he thinks Nina is proof that this isn't true. Carla asks him what he's going to do to make it right with Nina. Did he fail Haley at some point? Because <sighs> I was kind of surprised at that because I thought that he took very good care of Haley. Then again, I wasn't watching the show at the time. I remember watching the episode where she passed away. I think that was 2012, and I wasn't really watching it religiously at that point. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I watched it was because my mum told me it was coming up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the Haley thing's coming up. You might want to watch it. Oh. On the YouTubes. So no, I don't think I don't think she he certainly didn't let her die alone. They died together. Well, she died <laughs> while he was there. They didn't die together. They weren't no. Romeo and Juliet, but yeah. they didn't die together either. Right, still matter. alive. Right. Hmm. So I hope that answers your question. Well, next week uh, on Friday Corner, we'll actually have something. Yay! Not next week, we won't. Well, no, not next week. The week after. And by that time, it'll have been forgotten. On Friday, not by me. Roy turns up at Richards and sees the landlord pounding at the door. Apparently Richard owes six months' rent. Either Nina pays up or her shit's getting thrown out on the street. The landlord leaves and Roy shouts through the letterbox to be let in. Later, Roy comes back and leaves some food for Nina and reminds her that there are certain things that need to happen, such as registering the death and stuff. And Nina is sitting on the floor with her headphones on and she just turns up the sound and the music. Which is some sort of moody it sounded like emo. Evervescence, is that a thing? Yeah, it didn't sound like effervescence. I mean, the style that was... kind of music? Yeah, the style was similar, but there were no female voices. It was all dudes, so... Was it dudes? Yes. Let's go with Fields of the Nephilim, which is the only goth band that I seem to know. Aha! Uh-huh. Back at Roy's Rolls, Roy is chatting to Carla about Richard and Nina barricading herself in the flat. He's thinking about calling the police, but she talks him out of it. She closes up the cafe, throws everyone out, and decides to go back to the flat with them. So Roy and Carla get back to the flat. She shakes through... He shouts through the door that he's paid the back rent and he's paid the next month as well, so she's safe to come out now. He reminds her of the promise that he made to her dad to look after her. Carla and Roy say they're worried about her being alone. When Nina hears Carla, she wonders if Roy has brought a picnic with him. Roy wants to help, asking what her father would think about her being on her own. Nina says she's not interested, and Carla explains about how she felt after Aidan and the dark places she went to and asks to be let in for five minutes. But Nina just turns the music back up again. Turns out Roy did bring a picnic, which they eat out in the landing, and that was hilarious. Yeah, that was great. Sometime later, Carl has to leave. Roy tells Nina that he's on his own, not uncommon. He was lonely growing up, born middle-aged, everyone said. And he natters on for a bit, tells her how important it was to meet Richard and connect with him. And he only wishes that it had happened sooner, but he's still grateful to have her as a niece. Nina talks to Roy through the letterbox, telling him to go home, that she's fine. And he passes an envelope to her and says that he's sorry for letting Richard down. He promises he'll never do that to her and he'll be back every day until she lets him in. And then she shuts the letterbox. Right. And she's mad at him for paying the rent. No, she's not mad at him. No, she says you shouldn't have done that. She says you didn't need to do that. Right. But you did. Because <laughs> yeah, nobody else is paying there's no it. way. And he paid an extra month's rent. I mentioned that. Yeah. I know. I'm just reinforcing the fact that Roy, who, you know, lives above his uh, his small coffee shop, had enough disposable income to pay six months' rent, seven months' rent, at the drop of a hat. He's loaded, and I don't think the rent in that place is going to be very much. Yeah, I don't know. 
Oh, it was a nice house from the outside, though, wasn't it? It was a nice house from the outside, and they had at least two bedrooms and a nice large living room area and a kitchen. Kitchen was just too far from the bed, though. Yeah. Slightly too far. And I mean, it looked like it was much larger than it appeared because of all of Nina's crap that was shoveled in there. How is she going to move all of that to Roy's? That's what I want to know. Was it her crap? I thought it was his crap. You thought all those mannequins with <laughs> with gloomy dresses on were were Richards. Do you know what? I didn't notice any of them. <laughs> I didn't see a single one. All I saw was uh, dusty old books and board games and stuff. And, and dress forms and, and hats and things. No, you didn't, didn't notice see any, any of those. No. Were they all black? Yes. That's probably why. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I quite enjoyed this, though. Um, I thought that the picnic thing was, was fantastic. Yeah, I liked that And too. I liked the little... There was a nice uh, metaphorical thing going on between the two of them. Right. Speaking through the letterbox between right. the door and stuff. I thought that was uh, very well done. And there was a little shot from inside the flat looking out to Roy's he's speaking that was really beautiful, the way that it was done, which I've already taken a screen like grab of. Pyramus and Thisbe. Mm. It was nice. And I'm... I'm sad to see Richard go because I kind of liked the friendship that he was building with yeah, Roy. Yeah, the relationship there was Because really they nice. hit it off Absolutely. immediately. yeah. And there was no animosity between them, but it was just a lovely... And while Richard was not a fan of trains... He kind of came round they to like, it. They, liked, they both liked board games, and Roy kind of loosened up a little bit and listened to a football match and, mm-hmm. and stuff. Seemed to enjoy it as well. They seemed to be really good for one another. Right. So yeah, it is it So is then let's sad. Well, I mean, structurally, structurally, he was he was written to die. Right, because it's the just show a wasn't shame bringing in they, his brother, it was bringing in the niece. It's, it's just a shame that they wrote him so well mm-hmm. so that we actually miss him, which actually is good. It's good that we're going to miss him. And the actor was so good. Yeah. I liked him in Watching. He was Malcolm in Watching. I uh-huh. can't remember his name, but he was, he was fantastic. He did a great job. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. Richard. R.I.P. I bet you wish I hadn't taken that oxygen out. Oh. Yeah, or broken that glass. Yeah. <sighs> or bothered to pick it up. <laughs> I got so thirsty. At least we saw him. Oh, did we see him die? At least they didn't do a Nigel Havers on us. Oh, yeah. Because that sucked. <laughs> right, it did. It did. But I don't know if we had to see quite so much of it. <laughs> you know, because when he first went down, I was like, all right, that's that's the end of Richard. But then he got back up again. <laughs> to the rocky. <laughs> he was tub something. Yes. He got knocked down, but then he got back up again. His mistake was taking the whiskey drink and the vodka drink. Yeah, and then the lager drink and the cider drink. And his condition, it was never going to end well. <laughs> no. Our next storyline tonight, Double Tim. On Monday, Imran is meeting Tim at Roy's Rolls. Charlie's agreed to divorce and Sally has agreed to get married again. Everything's going to come up Tim. Imran doesn't think this is going to work. He says the divorce and mar- marriage are massive red flags. Imran thinks that he's sunk either way. What well, well. Back home, Sally has some ideas about venue for their marriage renewal, and Tim comes in clearly upset. He insists he loves her, and she thinks he's having an affair or has a secret love child, and he insists he's not, and he comes clean. He can't marry her again because he's already married. Sally wonders if he's still sleeping with this extra wife that he's got. The relationship now feels false. She's not his wife, and this changes everything. 
and Sally threatens to call the police on Tim. Does it though? I'm like, what? Does it change everything? Because he didn't, he didn't understand that he was already married. He gen, he, you know, it's not like he was trying to pull the wool over her eyes. Right. You know, this isn't deception. This isn't Robert. No. This no. is Tim we're talking or, about. Or Peter. No, it's not those no. things. No. This was this an honest mistake by a really dumb guy. <laughs> right. Who doesn't understand how marriage works. Right. And who didn't just have the common sense just to let it go. Right. It changed nothing. As far as everyone was concerned, they're married. As far as they presumably have a marriage certificate. All right. No one's looking into that. Right. And that's the thing that confuses me. It's like, if this were true, wouldn't red flags have gone up when he filed? Wouldn't somebody somewhere had said, wait a second, this guy's already married. Right. Surely there's somebody checking that sort of thing. It looks like they're not. Surely that's there's people a database. Can get away with these things. I don't know whether they're getting married in Vegas thing through that that database out, or there'd be no record of it in this country. But either way, right? He this has is a marriage what certificate. Excuse me, because you would have thought that he would, they would have had to have filed once they got back in, not you know remarried once they got back in, but just filed some paperwork saying, "Hey, we got married in Vegas." Because how does the paperwork from Vegas get to the UK? Well, it doesn't. So how are they? How? Because I thought that there there must be something that you have to file, so that the people in the UK know that you're married and that well, you got married in Vegas. Well, I guess the question is who needs to know? Well, because the you bureaucracy. have a bureaucracy. Could you have a marriage certificate? It just happens to be a Vegas marriage certificate. Or a Nevada certificate. Well, for like social services and things like that. Right, so you give them a photocopy of that marriage certificate. That's all And they taxes. Need. Uh-huh. So you just send them a copy of their, your marriage certificate. Right, but you should be... You can uh, you prove know, that you're married. ...be required to file that for your taxes. I don't like, think you, you are, though. Back. I don't think you are, though. I mean, I you didn't that... because you were going to be living here and paying taxes here. But if we if we had gotten married here and then moved back to Scotland, well, see that's exactly it. I if, think we would have had to have filed something there. Well, see, we move back to Scotland tomorrow. Do we have to file something to tell Scotland that we're married? No, but that's because we've been married for years. But there's not a time limit on it. But we would still file. We would still file paperwork once we got back to Scotland, you know, so that we could pay taxes and things like that. Yeah, we'd show them a copy of my certificate. <laughs> I don't think it would be logged anywhere. I don't know. It just, it, it seems like a bureaucratic nightmare. I'm going to ask our Canadian listeners, just our Canadian listeners, to look into this and let us know. <laughs> if only ask, we knew somebody who worked at a library and could have we should access ask, to all this information. We should ask Steve. Oh, Steve probably He's knows. a lawyer. Uh, no, yeah. Okay, I'm going, to, I'm going to broaden the scope then. Canadian and... Lawyers. <laughs> Let us know. Steve, we know you're listening. I don't know if he still listens. He does. He's not written in for a while. It's, but he talks to us about it when we go to trivia. So anyway. He says, crack an episode <laughs> last week. Helen. Uh, you could say that without listening to it. <laughs> so. <laughs> Are you calling him a liar? No, I'm calling my good friend. <laughs> Sally threatens to call the police on Tim. And I'm like, no, this is taking it far too far now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sally just goes off the deep end here. 
Well, as Sally's prone to do. Tim shows Sally Oi. the wedding photo. She is. Happy, happiest day of her life, she says, but it means nothing to her now. It was all built on sand. Tim doesn't think that's true. She says that he's ruined her life. She hasn't <laughs> called the police because she um, doesn't want an embarrassment. That's having, the only reason that she hasn't called the police. Wouldn't having been falsely accused of, of defrauding yep. charities and having to go to jail, wouldn't that be the worst time of your life? Probably. He thinks they can I get know. through this, but she doesn't see how. And frustratingly, that's as far as we get with that this week. Except for a brief moment where Sally's in Roy's roles. Or, no, she's in um, The Rovers. Oh, bitching to Jenny about it. And, and Jenny it. said, oh, are you excited about your new wedding coming up? And Sally said, yeah, the less said about that, the better. Which, if she's embarrassed about people finding out about this, you'd think that she would have put on a happy face and, and mm-hmm. lied. Right. But she didn't, which is weird. But Jenny pours her a large glass of white wine anyway. Yep, a double on the house or whatever. Yes. Yeah, this is. This was a fun story. Sally's kind of sucked the fun out of it. <laughs> it's not really all that fun anymore. Because she's taking it. She's been unreasonably. She's taking it far too personally, mm-hmm. you know. And like I said, she's treating Tim as if he was a Robert or a, or a Peter, you know. Intentionally trying to deceive her, which he was not. Right. Oh, well. Our next storyline tonight is Gary. This morning. <laughs> it's Gary the supervillain. Mwah! Ah, 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 ah. On Wednesday, Gary the is on. Bandit. just. Oh, that's a good one. He just has this never ending stream of furniture that he just pulls out of people's houses. So he's got a van load again, and Maria wants a new table or something. Then Gary gets a call from a potential client when Ryan comes along without the money that he owes Gary. Isn't it interesting that Maria wants to go out shopping for a new dining room set? When Gary's which got she a doesn't, but she van doesn't f- want. She doesn't want anything from from Gary's actual shop. Right. She wants something brand new. Hmm. Interesting. Did you say that? Yeah, because they're going to actually go out shopping later. They make plans to go out shopping for new furniture. But she said to him, I don't want any of your shite. Well, no, but that's kind of implied by the fact that she oh. doesn't, she's not like, oh, we need a new dining table set. Do you have anything like that right. that you can bring home from the shop? He asks if he can pay off, this is uh, Ryan now, he asks if he can pay off what he owes in some other way. <laughs> <laughs> but not like that. Well, let's hope not like that. Guy doesn't trust Ryan, so tells him to bolt. And the reason he doesn't trust Ryan is because of Ryan Ali. told Ali. Right. Yeah. Later, Ryan is back at Gary's begging to work off his debt. Gary gives him a sealed envelope and tells him to deliver it to Lenny. Gary calls it sensitive stuff and Ryan is only too happy to agree. Ryan has found Lenny and he doesn't know who Lenny is. He thinks Lenny is a potential client or something. Which is weird because... Oh, no, no, no. It wasn't Ali and Ryan who hired Lenny. It was uh, Adam. Right. But still... Does Lenny look shorter to you this week? <laughs> he looked... For a second, I didn't recognize him because he seemed shorter. Is it just because Ryan... Well, no, because Adam's tall. But Adam was sitting down, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was because they met him in a dark alley or something. I don't know. He just... He seemed shorter. Like he was shot shorter than he was before. Yeah, maybe. Like it was looking down <clears throat> as opposed to looking up. Anyway. Anyway, Ryan's found him and delivers the envelope. Lenny checks it out and asks how vicious Gary is about late payments and Ryan is non-committal and then just leaves and says, well, kind of says, just, you don't want to find out. Right, yeah. 
Lenny meets up with Gary and hands back the envelope and confirms that Ryan didn't spill anything about Gary's business. Gary also shows that the paperwork that was supposedly very sensitive was just blank sheets. Oh. oh so clever. So he had that sealed already in his drawer before Ryan showed back up. Right. Did he know that Ryan was going to show back up? I think he sealed it when Ryan was there, but the envelope was full in of the drawer. blank paper already. Right. Really? I, I guess he kind of said, well, he kind of knows how soap operas work and that, <laughs> that Ryan's not going to stop at one time, he's going to come back the second time. Oh, dear. Because that's. That's how the first act goes into the second act. Oh, so he, he just knows the structure of drama, I guess. I guess. <laughs> Preemptive. Interesting. So Ryan shows up at the furniture thing. He hands over half of what he owes, but Guy can't accept it. He's given Ryan a payment holiday until the new year. It's an early Christmas present. And ho, maybe ho, ho. he'll have a few more jobs for Ryan soon. Wink. Now drop those kecks and let's get down here. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Oh, dear. Did you hear about this new um, Christmas Carol that's on um, on FX that's darker and grittier than any other Christmas Carol that you've seen before? Because Scrooge rapes Mrs. Cratchit. What? Yeah. Yeah, we're not watching that. No. There's no redeeming after that. Sorry, weird people who thought that Christmas Carol needed to be darker and grittier. <laughs> Do you know what? This needs to be more rapey. <laughs> what? And, you know, in this one, uh, Scrooge owns the Cratchit's home. So that's why, you know, she's paying rent, essentially, by the assault. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Isn't that horrible? Let's make uh, David Copperfield a mass murderer next. It's like, what? The fuck are you doing to Dickens? How how is he supposed to be redeemed by the end of the night from something like that? What are we saying? Yeah, one night can <laughs> can fix everything. One night of being, uh, you know, turning a new leaf and saying you're sorry. Oh, dear. oh, and Mrs. Cratchit is black, which makes it a thousand times worse. Does it make it worse? It it's kind of bad. It it's bad enough anyway. Because it, it calls back, you know, no, things that of, Thomas Jefferson did. Yeah, there's kind of slavery yeah. things there, isn't there? Yeah. Mm. Mm. Anyway, it's a Who's bad idea. What fucking idea was this? Fox? <laughs> yeah, FXX or FX. So, yeah. Oh, kill surprise, I guess. Yeah. On Friday, Derek turns up at number eight, but Nick's loan application has been turned down. Who saw that coming? Did you? Derek offers to take the factory off the market for an indemnity of 10000 Bung it on the credit card, he says, but be sharp, he's off to Florida. And when Derek goes, Nick chuckles. He knows how desperate Derek is, he says. At the Knickerpacking Factory slash Community Centre, Nick and Sarah try to raise additional funds from the Knickerpacking people. As he seems suspicious, especially when Nick says that they need to t- keep it tippity-top secret. Yeah, yeah. Let's tell all of these people... Nick, something that you've been told to keep Tiffany top secret. These people, including, you know, people who have a familial relationship with Gary. Mm-hmm. And who don't really trust you anyway. Right. Because later, Izzy bumps into Derek on the street. He's drunk and she suggests they talk. As a skunk. 
At Roy's Rolls, Derek explains that the vacation is the most important thing on his plate right now. It can't possibly go wrong. Everything depends on it. As he turns up at Gary's looking for a loan of 500 quid. She lies about why it's needed and Gary doesn't believe her. As he calls it an investment in the premises of Underworld. Derek's selling up, but keep it under your hat. And Gary quietly fumes at this. Right. At first she says that uh, Jake needs new clothes for Boxing Day. For some reason. And uh, and that she needs a new coat, and she'd like a new coat. And she hardly ever asks for anything for herself. And Gary says, I know that. That's why I know you're lying. It's like, give the woman a damn new coat. <laughs> You've spent all this money on Maria. You can't help the mother of your child buy a new coat. Well, you have to be more specific about the mother of your <laughs> child, I guess. The one in the wheelchair. Right. Let's not go down that whole Gary Spooch thing again. No. That was a black mark against us, I think, last week. I don't think so. <laughs> Nick and Sarah are at the bistro tying up the cash that they've uh, managed to get their hands on. It's not enough for Derek, but Nick thinks that Derek's desperate enough and will sell for less, which is probably true. Yeah. Derek calls him from the Rover's Beer Garden, but is overheard by Gary because Derek's deciding to conduct all this business al fresco, right? Gary reminds him that the factory isn't his, but Derek isn't about to fall for this and says it's as good as his unless Gary wants all his secrets coming out. Right, it's Ga- his on paper. Gary is impressed by Which Derek's backbone and reminds him that he knows where his wife and kids live. That was dark. And he tells Derek to come for a walk. He's like, I know where your wife and kids live. Whispering. Yeah, he's Batman. Gary's Batman. Gary's Batman. No, Roy is Batman, but not that kind of bat, or not that kind of bat, not that kind of man. That's the most Midwest I've ever heard you say, man. There was a Y in there. Mayan. That's how long it takes, folks. Seven years living in the Midwest. Eight years. Not quite, seven and a half. It's 2020 in like a few months. Less than a month. Yeah, summer 2020. Yeah, fine. Nick and Sarah... I know, I've just said all that. Back at the bistro, Nick and Sarah are beginning to worry about Derek's tardiness. And it turns out Derek is at the furniture place with Gary. Gary drafts up Derek's last... And Faye is moody. Oh, Faye is so moody. Faye is so moody because all they're ordering are desserts and coffee. They're not ordering a meal. And she thinks she's going to be out of a job. Correctly thinks that she's going to be out of a job soon. And Nick and And Sarah... And this is not going to be a high tip. Give not one shit to this. No, they really don't. Especially Nick. It's kind of funny. Gary drafts up Derek's last chance. He drafts up a contract by writing something on a bit of paper. Yay. Sell me the factory for a quid. Winner, winner, chicken dinner, he says. And Derek is such a (laughs) pussy that he does. And Gary pulls a pound from behind Derek's ear. Now fuck off before I kill you, he says. Well, he's a pussy because he doesn't want Gary to kill his wife and kids. It's not being a pussy, that's... It is. Stand up for yourself. And risk your wife and children being killed? Well, kill Gary. Derek's not killing anybody. Beat him up. He's drunk. Tell you what, beat him up. He's drunk. And he's not in as good of condition physically as Gary. Yeah, Gary's... Let's remember, Gary was in the army. And Gary was, you know, secret police or whatever he did, you know, after he got out of the army, but was still in... Private security. Yeah. So... Outside... He knows how to fight, our Gary. An utterly pissed Derek tells Nick and Sarah that the deal is off. And Sarah's like, but we had a deal. Yeah, and it's off. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't have it on paper, hen. So, now... 
Gary owns the factory again, but Gary already owned the factory. So Gary now, because this paperwork is going to go, it'll get processed over the weekend. Right. So come Monday, all the deeds will be in Gary's name. The factory will be his. And he knows now that Nick and Sarah tried to buy it back, but not buy it back from him because they didn't know that it was Gary's. Right. But that they didn't say anything to him about Derek trying to, you know. Well, and not were they under any obligation to do so because as no. far as they were concerned, Gary was just the builder. Right. But, you know, Gary is not that sensible. And hasn't been doing very much building. N- no. He contracted that out to... Ed. Who hasn't been doing very much building either. Well, Although he's no, always he in his has. little jacket. Yeah. He's done some. It seems to be coming along, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm. Gary was quite creepy. The creepiest that he's probably been. Yeah. Because this is the first time he's ever threatened women and children. Right. So he has taken a bit of a turn this week. Right. To become a... It's not just men. It's women and children. Right. It's an equal opportunity thug. Yes. Sadly, Rick the Chin has still not been found. No, and nothing (laughs) this week makes me think that he's going to be, which is an opportunity missed, I think. Absolutely. Now, Derek... Has now lost everything. Yes. Because he's it, not going to get to Florida. He's not going to be able to take his family to Florida, which he has already preemptively promised them that he was going to take them to Florida. And this was already his last chance saloon with them. Right. Because he's such a hopeless drunk. So do you think Derek's going to wind up dead? He's going to wind up dead or out for revenge. Do you think Derek's smart enough to go out for a revenge? He's, he's now... A man with nothing to lose. Yeah, but he's not smart enough to come up with a plan. Although he did Doesn't come have up to with be a great plan, right? Because <laughs> he did come up with plan. you know selling the factory behind Gary's back. So is as long as he be... doesn't drink himself to death, which is probably what's going to happen, is he going to be motivated by money or just wanting to destroy Gary? I don't think Derek is. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think we've seen the last of Derek. No. And when we see him again, he's going to be annoyed. Well, yeah. <laughs> I think, I think. Do I think that he may try to exact revenge on Gary? Yes. Do I think it's going to be some master plan? No. Oh, no. I think it's going to be a lot more straightforward. Right. Very simple. Yeah. Go for the throw. He's going to sober up and try to break Gary's face or something. Because, I mean, he was drunk. Mm-hmm. So that so kind of inhibited... <laughs> that kind of inhibited his ability to fight back. Mm-hmm. So. Well, it's all building up. And it continues to build up for Lonely Rita, which is our next storyline. Ah, uh, Mita Maid. No. Oh. Yeah, that's lovely Rita. Yeah, Mita that's Maid. what's going with. Lonely Rita. Mita Maid. Mm-hmm. On Wednesday... Evelyn and Rita are playing cards in the Rovers and Jenny complains about them not having a licence for gambling. They insist that they're not. Evelyn wins and has to rush off, leaving Rita on her own yet again and Evelyn says, you just want to win your money back so that they were gambling. Right, Because yeah. of course they were. Because, because of course Evelyn they was were. playing. Right. Rita and goes, it was cute. I like, to see, I like seeing Evelyn and, and Rita together. Yep. Rita goes to the cabin and Brian thinks that Gail hasn't picked up enough shifts but before Rita can get her neb in, he announces that Cathy's been roped in instead. Then Rita is on Maxine's bench when Gemma rushes by. Rita offers her help again, which Gemma Gemma appreciates. Then Gemma gets a text and has to rush off. Don't be a stranger, she says. 
Then Rita's at home looking through photo albums and doing some solo drinking. The memories upset her dreadfully and she breaks down in tears on her couch. Which is not like Rita at all. This None is of this the is same, like Rita. This is the same Rita, less than a month ago, who said to Paul, don't be ridiculous. Go and get your hole. Right. Move out. I'll be fine. Because I've lived alone for the majority of my life. It's not that big of a deal. I think she's at lodgers and... Right, but not, I mean, consistently. Hmm. You know, besides Gemma and Paul, who and um, that tattooed guy that Gemma <laughs> was bonking for a while. Bonking. Bonk. Who else has been living with Rita? <sighs> Nobody. Fucking hell. <laughs> next, yes. in next two year. weeks, next year. On hindsight corner. Everyone who Rita has ever lived with. I will let you look up. No. <laughs> on Friday, Gemma has an enormous pram. Yes. <laughs> the size of it. It's like three stacks, wasn't it? Right. Well, she's got four babies. And it's loaded with nappies. And Jenny's disappointed that the, the pram is full of nappies and not babies. Gemma asks after Rita and Jenny agrees to take her out later to the Winter Wonderland. Jenny finds Rita at Dev's and she gives Rita the plan. I'll pick you up in a little bit and Rita is made up by this. Yes. Later, Jenny turns up at Rita's and innocently suggests that Rita offloads on Jenny in future and leave Gemma alone, which is a strange thing to say. No, why would you say that? Why would you say that? Because she wasn't really offloading. She she offered Gemma help and Gemma just was able to pick up that Rita seemed sad and alone. Right. Rita didn't say to Gemma... I'm sad and alone. Right. <laughs> Jenny sometimes just needs a kick in the teeth. <laughs> sometimes I really love Jenny and sometimes I'm just like, why did you open your mouth, hen? Ah, can I feel like that about her most of the time? Oh. <laughs> Not a huge fuss. Anyway, Rita takes offence at this and Rightly says so. she doesn't want to go out and watch Jenny play on her phone. I just don't want you to see the top of your head and you with all your attention on the phone, checking the time. How long have I got? I've got an hour and a half. Is that my allotted time? Have I now been checked off your list? Right. Fuck you later, says Rita, and she throws Jenny out. Rightly so. And that's Rita slamming the door Lord. on Jenny's face. <laughs> I think this might be our penultimate storyline coming up. <gasps> oh, do you want to talk about Rita a little bit more? No, I think we've said what we need to say. That this isn't like Rita at all, and it's it a stupid storyline, yep. and we hate and we hate it. We hate it. We hate it so. I wonder if we go through our storyline so far, how many of them are uh, if you've been affected by the storyline? Storyline. Not many this week. Let's see, shall we? So our first one was uh, the quads. That's not. A, no, if you've that's been not. A, no. Went to Wonderland. No. No. Half-brother from the same mother? Not really. Cancer, I guess. Or no, he didn't have cancer. He had... Some kind of lung thing. Right. If you've been affected by the Tim and Sally storyline... (laughs) If you've accidentally married someone in Vegas... Please get a fucking grip. (laughs) (laughs) Gary, the supervillain? No. Rita is definitely a... If you've been affected by the storyline storyline. What? Like, if you've ever been lonely at Christmas? If you're a lonely person watching this... Just imagine all these old buddies in their 70s watching this Aww. on their own. Just saying, that's me. 
Yeah, but they have one another. They're like senior centers and and other and oh, people live on their and, own all over the world and um, trips and things. Your mother was very happy going on trips with her friends and traveling the countryside. Yeah, but we're all Especially lonely Christmas. from time to time. I myself, I, think that's a... I myself enjoy loneliness from time to time. <laughs> yeah. I savor it. I'm growing to love it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I also love spending time with my family. Obviously, yes. But that—I see why I like uh, my toilet time as well as I do. <laughs> it's like just fifteen minutes, just right. Yeah, oh, bless. Right, and that's why whenever the kids say, "Can we go to the teen center? Can I go over to so and so's house?" Sure. Yeah. Do you need a ride? Here's your coat. <laughs> Our penultimate storyline tonight is definitely not a, if you've been affected by the storyline storyline. Educating hope. If you've got a child who's pain in the ass. <laughs> She's more of a pain in the ass. I, She's a pyromaniac. If you've been affected by a pyromaniac, call this number. Pyromaniac child. She's 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 Drew Barrymore she in Hellraiser. I'll Hel- tell you something, though. It's not Hell... It's Firestarter, Firestarter. not Hellraiser. Hellraiser is completely different. It's Pinhead, yeah. <laughs> Hope has been given... More lines this week, and more physical acting to do this week, and she's been brilliant. Mm-hmm. Just Ruby's brilliant. been good too. Ruby's been good too, but I think they've they've upped Hope's responsibilities in the storyline a little bit more. Yes, and it's obvious she's involved in this whole. She's having more reactions and reacting to what people are saying to her and stuff. She's doing a tippity top job. I'm loving it. Okay. Fizz is trying to get Ruby and Hope out for the nativity play. Ruby is Mary and is looking exceptionally cute. Aww. <laughs> Remember Hope... when Stelly was Mary like four years in a row? Right. Hope is a star and she clearly doesn't want to be a star. No. Evelyn takes the kids to school ahead of her shift and Fizz just lets her do it. In Roy's roles, Hope's been sent home. It looks like she's fucked up the entire show. She's tripped up angels, she's sacrificed donkeys and it was all caught on camera. Sean Why Thompson. didn't we get to see it then? Uh-huh. I wanted to see that. I was like, I would have much rather watched this than Lonely Rita. Hope smash. <laughs> Hope Tripp- smash. Tripping up the Angel Gabriel. That's funny. And kicking the fuck out of him. That's funnier than Brian puking all over everybody. Fizz is worried that she gave Jade her marching orders too soon. Ugh. At home, Tyrone tells Hope that she's in trouble for tripping up angels. He reminds her that she will be punished for this and she might get thrown out of school. Fizz tells her that she's ruined the nativity and she's spoiled it for Ruby and she will apologise. Suck my balls, says Hope. I hate you guys. I love Jade. And with that, she storms out and, and slams the door. And I hate school when, like, less than a week ago, she was, I love school and I'm so happy that I get to go back to school with my friends. Hope comes what? downstairs, ties off to work. And Fizz leaves her alone to have a bath. That wasn't very smart of you. Just the stupidest thing to do. They're like, we're giving you chores to do as punishment, which chores should never be punishment. Right. They should have set chores anyway. Right. And it should not be used as a form of punishment because then work is punishment and they're going to be lazy adults. Right. And then, but not only do you do this and say, right, this room better be spick and span by the time we get back. You leave her to it without <laughs> right. any supervision. And to go and have a bath. Not smart. Like, who does she think she is? Joseph? <laughs> <It's> like... 
such a such a rubbish excuse for leaving her alone. We need to leave her alone. Tyne, right? You can just go to work. What we're going to do with Fizz? Ah, uh, fuck, 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 fuck. Well, just she's stressed out, right. so she needs to go have a nice wee soak to relax before she comes back downstairs and see that Hope has burned the whole house down, <laughs> right. and Fizz has to run out naked into so, the street. So Hope gets her phone and calls Jade. And Jade isn't in such great shape these days, don't you think? Eh, was she ever in great shape? Uh, she's just kind of wandering the streets. Well, and she says that she misses her Hope shopping. and reminds her to keep everything, all these transgressions of Fizz, to keep all that in her diary. Yeah. So Hope's keeping a diary in there. I don't think we knew that before. No. She's recording all these mean things that Mummy does, like make me do chores. Right. And shouted at me and. Oh, she got mad at me because I tripped an angel. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's horrid. Right. She's such a horrible mummy. Kicked the shit out of a donkey. Well, mummy didn't do that. I did that. <laughs> Remember, she did all this while dressed as a star. <laughs> that makes it even Remember better. Remember when Sally was a star? Many, no. many, many, many years ago. I still don't know what Jade's grand plan is for this, other than discredit and fizz well i think that she's gonna try she's gonna swoop in that she's gonna get um hope taken away from fizz and tyrone and that she's going to adopt her because she's her sister right yeah so she's going she she blames fizz for her dad's death so fizz took her dad away she's gonna take fizz's daughter away sort of thing but it doesn't make much sense because, as far as we know, she didn't really have a relationship with her father when he was alive. Not that we saw, no. No. I don't know. It probably seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> I still like the the Jade character. Is this whole thing is it's quite interesting where it's going? I'm just, nah. I'm just not sure it all. No. Adds up. Our final storyline this morning. If you've been affected by someone accusing you of murder and stealing your unborn baby, call this number. They have a number for that now. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it's just Rita. Just phone Rita. <laughs> Kill two birds with one stone, basically. My- this is Robert's comeuppance. On Monday, Paul has got Robert home and he hasn't been charged. First thing he sees is a for sale sign at the bistro. So Robert's in the bistro when Michelle comes in, unhappy that he still has the keys. She tells him to leave them on his way out. He doesn't think she can sell the place from under him, and he has no intention of letting this happen. He threatens her with an injunction. I'm not sure what an injunction's going to do. No, he has no leg to stand no. on. He signed the property over to her. And he leaves without giving her the keys back. Outside, Robert has taken a metal pole to the for sale sign. Peter comes along and thinks that he's looking like a nutter. Then the police show up, and D.S. McKinnon has some news. According to Robert Satnav... Robert was at the woods when he claimed not to be. Whoa. He was at the woods. Rick the chin. Fingers crossed. It's not going to happen. No. Robert is in the rovers with Paula and tells her about the sat-nav thing, insisting that someone else must have driven his van into the, those woods. Paula asks who had access to the van and wanted to do an Irish Tina. Who could that be, Paula? <laughs> Robert- also, when would anybody have had time to drive the van to the woods? And she that. must have done it when Robert was out on his walk through. But he was walking no. through the woods, wasn't he? 
he, he supposedly he was walking by the canal and got muddy, but that, that that's how, how do you get muddy from brick? And also, well, it's grass verges, I think. And also, he had the van at that time. Remember? Well, it was a walk that he went for, because he came home, cut from Irish Tina's. Presumably, then they went to bed. At some point, Robert got up and went for a walk. At which point, Michelle got up, drove the van to the woods. But how did came he, back she know again. that his his shoes would be muddy? She must have done it like the next day or something. Like, does this not add up? Well, apparently, and they do, and they do say this because somebody asks, "Is there a time on the sat nav?" And there is not, so it doesn't matter. It well, just says that, that right. It just says that it's been driven there. At some point. All right. It doesn't give a time because it's not Google Maps. Google Maps would have given a time. Yep. Creepily. Who uses a sat-nav? Nobody uses sat-navs anymore, do they? You use your well, phone. he's got a sat-nav in there. We've seen the sat-nav. Because remember, that's how Michelle found out where he was going because he had the sat-nav programmed to go to Iris Tina's house. So that's how Michelle and Carla were able to follow him. Oh, that's right, yeah. <laughs> For our American listeners. A sat-nav is a GPS. <laughs> but I think you kind of already knew that. So Robert gets an idea from this and rushes out. He's back at the bistro and accuses Michelle of driving the van and doing it, doing an Irish Tina. Michelle laughs at him, dum, dum, dum. but he thinks it all makes sense. She was after Revenge. She denies it and thinks that he was the one who dumped Irish Tina in the woods. Uh, but wait a minute Robert what? didn't mention the woods Michelle claims that the police Ruh-roh. must have mentioned it to her but Robert isn't falling for it Michelle tells him that he's the murderer and she pushes by him he grabs her and this of course is seen by Carlin and Peter Peter steps between, between them as Robert almost cries he doesn't understand any of this Michelle has killed Irish Tina then a breathless Robert tracks Michelle down to the rovers he Ooh. grabs her again and this time it's seen by the police who are looking for him what did the police say? Burp, 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 burp. That's not what they said. <laughs> they said, we're going to get you, Robert. Because the police knew to find Robert in the rovers. Sure. Well. Sure. Sure. Ryan and Ali arrive. Sure. Well, we knew he wasn't going to be in the bistro. Because Michelle's kicked him out of the bistro. Or at home. Maybe they checked home first, and they're like, all right, he's not here. Where else could he be? Oh, oh. look, the bistro van is parked outside the rovers. Let's try there. Pop. Pop. Sure. Sure. Ryan and Ali arrive. They reckon Michelle needs to go to the police with what she knows. So McKinnon and Michelle are in the back room of the rovers, and Michelle fills her in on today's events. McKinnon paints a picture that makes Robert seem dangerous, and Michelle says that Robert has a temper and a history of steroid abuse. Michelle is over-egging it ever so slightly. Yeah, but but feeding it bit by bit. Yeah. You know, she's she's seeming very reluctant to give any of this up. Yeah, and she's not actually lying. No, she's not lying about any of it. Robert's now at the police station telling them that Michelle is a murderer. Paula, te- Paula tells him that he doesn't need to answer anything, but he doesn't heed her warning. McKinnon asks if Robert is always this aggressive or if the steroids are making it worse. And he says Irish what? Tina is still important to him and he would never hurt her because of the baby. Back at the Rovers, Michelle is exhausted from talking to the police and says she's going for a walk. Robert's frustrated that the police that's still insists... That's what you do when you're exhausted, you go for walks. <laughs> still insists that he's a bad guy. McKinnon runs through the mountain evidence against him. Bad Penny Paula says that either charge my client or let him go. So they charge him. 
Right. <laughs> Paul is just... Poor Paula can't just catch a, a break. Just the albatross around his neck. It's like, well, you, you need more evidence or let him go. And then somebody walks in with more evidence. Either charge him or let him go. Right, so they just charge him. him. Who'd have Paula as your Well, as your I mean, lawyer? slim pickings, I guess. Because, you know, Adam wasn't going to take him. No. And, and Imran wouldn't take him either. Probably for the same reasons that there's a conflict of interest because um, Michelle is related to his partner. So he probably had to go to Paula. Who's partner? Imran's business partner or legal partner is Adam. Mm-hmm. Yes, who's related to Michelle. No, he's not. Yeah, he is. No, he's Isn't not. Isn't Michelle like their cousin or something? No. Yeah. No. She's related to Johnny. She's related to Johnny, yeah, but... Oh, God, what am I thinking? No, I... What am I thinking? I have no idea what you're thinking. I don't know. Not a clue. Are you thinking of Aiden? I might be thinking of Aiden. He's been dead for a year and a half. dead for a year and a half. Uh, just cut all of this out. <laughs> no, you're not going to cut all of this out because it makes me look dumb. You only cut things out when it makes you look dumb. Correct. So, yeah, they're going to charge him with GBH. A hooded Michelle is at a hotel. No, oh, that rhymes. Well, where Irish Tina is holed up. It seems that Tyler is in this, in on this as well. Irish Tina's chuffed that Robert will soon be done for murder, and Michelle looks less than happy. This was quite a good reveal. I enjoyed Which this. upset <clears throat> me that Michelle looks less than happy. It's like, oh, come on. Right. <clears throat> no regrets. I kind of wish that we hadn't figured this out. Quite so quickly. Right. Yeah. Because you just knew that when she was going for a walk, she was going to go and see Irish Tina. Yeah. And when she, tur- when she turned up at a hotel, you definitely knew it. Right. Whereas it would be nice to think, right. oh, is she, is she going to see this Ray character again? Or is she going to see... And the hotel is within a walk of their home. So they're not doing... <laughs> how How is it? I mean, she hasn't come out of the room, obviously. Right. So that's part and parcel. But somebody must have seen her go into the room initially. One would have thought... What? what kind of noise was that? It was my nose. On Wednesday, Irish Tina and Michelle are now on the phone discussing whether they're doing the right thing by sending Robert down for a murder that hasn't happened. Irish Tina encourages a quick sale of the bistro, and it looks like there might be some movement in that regard, says Michelle. There's a mystery buyer. Tyler goes to visit Irish Tina in her hotel, in her hotel now. And brings her magazines. She's just waiting to get her cut from the bistro. Oh, so she's going half hours with Michelle then. Yeah. And then they're off to London. Tyler is worried that they'll get done for perverting the course of justice. But Irish Tina insists that just a couple more days and they'll be home free. Right, and she also insists if they get caught, she will insist that that he had nothing to do with it. Right. A woman representing an anonymous party familiar with the business comes in with an offer of 70 grand cash, which is 30 grand below asking price. Like it or lump it, she says, and then she leaves. Carla thinks that Michelle has three options. Negotiate, wait for a better price, or bite their hand off. And that's what she would do. Who knows when another offer is going to come in? Because the Business has been on sale for like a day. Maybe, maybe give it a week. I don't know. Well, we know Michelle wants to move quickly. Michelle needs time to think. So now Michelle is with Irish Tina, and Irish Tina thinks, take this money and run. Michelle, though, is suddenly worried about her staff. Irish Tina thinks it's a bit late to rub gravel in her arm. What a lovely phrase. It's a bit <laughs> late to be rubbing gravel in your arm. Yeah. Lovely. So evocative. Yes. And this seems to steal Michelle's resolve. 
So Michelle's about to leave when Irish Tina has a dose of the Braxton Hicks. I'm not sure what that is. That's uh, Braxton Hicks contractions are uh, contractions that aren't really contractions. They're like fake. It's like fake labor. Oh, I thought Braxton Hicks was a band in the 90s now. No, hmm. I used to get them all the time with all three of them. Drove me nuts because every time you think this is it and then it's not because they feel pretty much the same thing as oh. actual contractions. Michelle wants to go get her checked out, but Ashton says that's not in the plan. So Michelle meets Adam in the pub and he's decide- she's decided to accept the offer. Adam can get the deal through rapidly. Surprise, surprise. Michelle wants a condition of sale to protect the staff, but Adam doesn't think that'll work well. Oh, well, never mind, says Michelle, whose oh, morals see, lasted for all of 15 seconds. See, that's it. That's it. That's what I was thinking, because Adam is already representing Michelle. So it would be a conflict of interest for him to be representing Robert, and it would be a confl- conflict of interest for Imran to be representing Robert because his partner is representing Michelle. That's what I was thinking. Right, and by you saying that, now I, I'm obliged to keep in the bit where... <laughs> you were going to keep it in anyway. <laughs> I actually wasn't, but now I have to. No, you can cut this out too. It's too much cutting out to do. <laughs> Far too much editing. I've got things to do. Today. Oh, what are you, Terry Gross? I'm not sure to, if I'm offended by that or not. <laughs> I'll get back to you. Michelle's morals. Want to talk about them for a second? Or lack thereof? Or just, you know, thinking? Should, it was just typical Michelle. Can we get a clause in here to protect the staff? No. Oh, well, never mind. It's okay. Well... <laughs> If you can't, then you can't. Well, they can, but it's going to mean that the price is going to come down. Even oh well, further. Yeah, yeah, well, we don't do that. Who do you think the mystery buyer is? I think it's kind of obvious, isn't it? I want to hear because you, you initially thought that they were going to sell it to Irish Tina for a, a quid. That obviously isn't going to happen. No, but Irish Tina gets a cut, right. so that's well, something. Do you know? Because then if I say, and you, and you either confirm or deny, then that becomes a spoiler. Well, we don't know because it hasn't happened no, yet. No, I'm asking if you know. I don't know. Do you know? No, I don't know. No. But I can think that it's only one person. Right. Remember, I came down the other night and said, do you think, do you think Robert is somehow trying to buy it? And that's why it's being anonymous because Michelle wouldn't sell to Robert, no matter what the price. And you said no, that you thought it was. I think it's Ray. And I was like, oh, yeah, fair don't shout. don't think it can be anybody else. Fair shout. But, so. but for that to work, I don't understand. she needs to know that Michelle's a motivated seller. Because this is what's making me think that it's maybe not, because this woman has come in and has basically been, I'm in charge of this. I'm giving you three quarters of what you're asking for. Take it or leave it. Well, I think... Well, what if Michelle just says, well, fuck you, and... I'm going to leave it. Right. Well, you know, Roy, not Roy, Ray seems to have, you know, these really belligerent lawyers working for him and stuff. It's not the belligerence that really right. concerns and, me. And it's the, the toughness fact. of the take it or leave it. It's you the know. fact that Michelle is more than within the rights to say, well, I'm going to leave it. Thanks very much. Right. And which then, is always a which is always a gamble. But a, a so good the, realtor, a good solicitor will, will say things like take it or leave it. And then if she says... Well, I'm going to leave it. We'll go back to her client and says, well, she's, she says she's going to leave it. Do you want to negotiate a different price or something? So this is this is typical. 
I don't think, I think you may be reading a little bit too much into it, but you're right that Ray would have had to have a sniff that something was going down. I don't know if Correct. maybe Alia has told him about the whole so Robert we and... To, we need to have some... Because Alia is still dating Ryan and Alia is still in business with Ray, supposedly, because... She talked to Ray and Ray told her, oh, no, no, no. What Michelle's saying to you, it's, it's, it's she's a she's a woman scorned. Right. But for this to work, we need to see some kind of evidence of that. Well, maybe we'll get that next week. It's too late because the offer's already come in. We need to see something that kind of preempts this, I think, in terms of the how you construct that story. Right. Also, I mean, is it legal to buy and sell things anonymously don't you kind of need to know who the person is you will on find the paperwork out. you don't need to know when an offer's made right when everything's getting signed then you have to find out couldn't you at that point say oh it's this guy never mind if yes. you haven't signed the paperwork yet correct so then why go through the whole song and dance you just don't want to tip her off yeah okay but then you could like a, a a, bis- a business could like buy a, a business. It right. doesn't have to be a person. Yeah, it could be like a shell business that he's got that's going to... What an effort. Uh, to do what? Just to to get the bistro cheap? To get uh, back at Michelle? Because remember... It's not really getting back because you're giving her money. Right, but less than what she asked. Who cares? I don't know. It has to be somebody that we know. And it has to be somebody that's been kind of involved in the whole Michelle-Robert thing. Right. So... It's either Tyler... And somebody with money. So that's him out. Unless he has money that we don't know of. And which he has he the don't. money. And it's not Robert because he's been far too up to high dough and doesn't have the money to do it anyway, I wouldn't have thought. I don't know. I mean, like I said last week, he's been paying the rent on Irish Tina's place, so he's got to have some sort of disposable well. income. Maybe you're right, maybe Michelle it is Robert. But that would be terrible. That would explain the anonymity, certainly. Right. That would be terrible, and it and it also wouldn't make sense because we know that Robert is leaving the show as well. Well, I don't think we can consider that. This is the this is the thing with knowing that people are leaving the show. It kind of colors right. the storylines a little bit. Mm-hmm. I wish they wouldn't tell us these things. Sorry if you didn't know he was leaving the show. <laughs> I think everybody was well aware he was leaving the show. It's okay. been all over the the rags. I reckon if you live in Canada, you can probably get away without finding these things out. Eh. I mean, if we're able to figure it out, we're in America, which cares even less about Coronation Street. That's Twitter that eventually... Yeah. You see spoiler and then somebody just blurbs something or you see a picture of something that's kind of hard to ignore some of these things. Yeah, it's true. Anyway... On Friday, at home, Michelle gets a text and sends Ryan away to get pills. She calls the number and it's Irish Tina who thinks that she's about to go into labour and she can't go to hospital because she's supposed to be dead. Michelle says that she's on her way. So she turns up at the the hotel and she helps Irish Tina with her labour for a bit and then looks to leave, but Irish Tina begs her to stay. So Michelle needs to phone Ryan about the court thing, uh, so Michelle has to step away. Michelle comes back and has a look at Irish Tina's floof. Well, Irish Tina is on all fours. That was a lovely scene. Cool. Yeah, and the banter between the two of them about it was was kind of funny. Michelle tells Irish Tina to breathe. I think we're all all should follow that advice and take a little mm-hmm. breath of that. Breathe, she does, and a baby boy pops out. <laughs> it doesn't have grey hair though. 
Irish Teen recovers quite quickly and apologises for the whole Rory thing and Robert thing. And at that, the paramedics arrive because Michelle has apparently called them. She couldn't have taken the risk that the baby or Irish Tina had died. And Michelle cares about people, she says. Sure. <laughs> I don't think she'd have said that. Meanwhile, Robert is pissed that his hearing has been delayed. And he doesn't know why. Robert... Uh, Paula talks to Robert to confirm the delay that something's come up and she's trying to figure out what it might be good news. Now Irish Tina and Michelle are in the hospital with the baby, Sunny. Michelle thinks that this might be the end of their plan now that Irish Tina isn't officially dead. Irish Tina says that she's got an alibi and she reckons that Michelle will be able to think of something too. And at that, the police arrive and Irish Tina sends Michelle away quickly. Paula tells Robert that Irish Tina has been found and has had her baby and it's been born this afternoon. He's in the clear and the police should have done their Huzzah. job. But they need to go through this court thing still. There's still the formality of right, getting yeah. thrown out. Robert's not happy about uh, justice serving its course, and he calls this a setup. The police are quizzing Irish Tina, who claims to have been staying with her friend for the last few days. She explains about having a fight with her ex, but it's all fine. She makes a good case for being innocent and sends the cops packing. She's just given birth, and she thinks that she's popped a stitch. <laughs> Lovely stuff again. Robert's at the hospital now. It seems that he's managed to get out of court. He asks at the desk for Irish Tina, but she's already checked herself out. <laughs> Check me out. She's, again, recovery of a well, this thing was that recovers a, very quickly. This was a natural birth. You know, if she had had a C-section, then she shouldn't be up and about. But a natural birth, you know, where everything went fine and she's fine, that's understandable. If, you know, if you have a natural birth and everything is fine, they don't really keep you in for very long anyway. Robert now catches up with Michelle outside the flat and accuses her of planting evidence to screw him over. He wants to know where Irish Tina is and he wants to know where his baby is. She ignores him and tells him it's too late. Irish Tina and his son have left forever and Robert follows Michelle. Is that really ignoring him? No, into the flat. Accusing her of knowing where uh, Irish Tina is, he calls her a liar, which makes Michelle soil herself in laughter. <laughs> she soils herself in laughter. Now you know how it feels to be played as a fool, she says. He susses out the plan, the vase, the sat-nav, the threat of prison. Michelle thinks he'd have liked the opportunity to work with young offenders, but that was all a lie. That was quite funny. That was quite... funny. I liked that mm -hmm. part. Robert doesn't see how it's the same thing. He should have been at his son's birth and he'll never get that back. And he asks if Tyler was in on it and Michelle confirms this. I don't know why she did that. Well, thinks, because obviously Irish Tina hadn't said to her, look, if, if anybody asks, Tyler wasn't in on this. She, oh, right, so it's for that reason? So she only agrees for that reason? Ugh, so awful. She thinks this is the end of it, but it turns out that Robert has been recording this all on his phone. Let's see what McKinnon has to say about this, he says. That, that was just so dumb. I think she would say this is inadmissible and entrapment. Right, yeah. Michelle reminds Robert that this was all his doing. If he was honest from the start and said that he'd knocked up Irish Tina, none of this would have happened. Robert says all he cared about was his kid, and she let him think that they'd been killed. Michelle apologises. Michelle apologises. I'm not sure how Robert is struggling to take the moral high ground here. He thinks that he'll never see his son thanks to Michelle. Where? So Michelle shows Robert a photo and tells him that his name is Sonny. Again, she's sunny so Jim. she's so sorry for this. It's not Sunny Jim. What is it? It's Sunny something. Sunny Preston. Sunny Jeffries. Well, what's his sunny, middle name? Sunny Irish Tina. Because <laughs> she says the middle name you oh, know, when he's hear. born, and I, I can't hear. remember. Sunny something. Sunny Preston. Day. Sunny Day. 
Preston's Robert's last name. Right. Wouldn't she have given him? Not a chance. No. Um, although maybe she did, I don't know. Maybe she has to. No. To, you know. No. No, because she's not going to be asking for any assistance or child support. I don't think so. Yeah. Where did we get to? I don't know. Uh, she's so sorry for this and for hating Robert the way that he hated her. She cries as she reminds him of the Rory thing and the Ray thing and the Steve thing and all he did was lie to her. Robert thinks that she went too far. She reminds him of using Rory and his lies and now it finally seems to sink in and he apologises to her. I hated this. I hated that Michelle is crying and blubbering at Robert. Yeah, it's awful. It's awful. Robert has agreed not to go to the police unless Michelle tells him where Sonny is. She tells him that Irish Tina doesn't want to see him. He wants to see his son and he wants to speak to Irish Tina tonight and find out where she is. Michelle remains true to Irish Tina. Don't say I didn't warn you, says Robert, and he pats his phone and that's how we'll end this week's episodes. Yes, so Michelle, at least, at the very least, she doesn't sell Irish Tina. She will, though. Don't you think? I think it all depends upon... To save her own skin? Yeah, sure. The whole, you know, inadmissible in court because it's entrapment. I don't think Michelle knows that, though. Do you think Michelle will just leave town? But then again, she needs to sell the bistro. Mm -hmm. Maybe she could sign it over to... So maybe this is what forces her to sell it to whoever it is. Well, she's already agreed to sell it to whoever it is. Oh, right. Oh, maybe she finds out who it is. Maybe she'll sign it over to Ali and Ryan real quick and tell them to take care of the sale. You think she can do that? Well, obviously she can do that because Adam wrote up this paperwork for Robert. Adam really can write quick. Up paperwork to do anything overnight, <laughs> and doesn't even need DHL for it. No. <laughs> so oh. yes, I hated this. I've loved aspects of it. I liked the reveal. I liked. Uh, I loved. I loved the whole plot. I loved the whole plot to get back at Robert. Mm-hmm. You know, I love that these two women are working together right. against Robert. That was fantastic. I loved it. You know, it was showing a strength of character that we've never seen from Michelle before. I liked that it seemed like these two women have grown close to one another. Yeah. Where they can banter with one another while one is giving birth. And one can look up another one's floof. Right. While the other one's on all fours. And then, you know, when they're in the hospital, you know, they're holding hands together and, you Mm -hmm. know, and it's all nice. And then Michelle just caves and is bawling and even before that you can see the look in her face like she's regretting this and it's like no stay strong she's been regretting it from the middle of the week i know which is ridiculous she wouldn't or she shouldn't no and i feel like michelle is the one who cooked this up in the first place it wasn't irish tina's idea doubtful it was michelle's idea because remember when she when she goes to confront irish tina and Irish Tina gives her the lowdown, and then she walks out and she stops halfway down the hallway, and she's got this look on her face. And then we cut away. Yeah, and the next time we see Michelle, she's at home, so we right. didn't see her leave. So we know that something happened. So we know that after. Michelle stops. She thinks about it, and then she goes back in. Right. And she says, "Right, this is what we're gonna do." So it feels like the show is still trying to make. Michelle, the angel, and Irish Tina, the demon here. A little bit. Which I I don't approve of. And it also just... It just kills me to see her all blubbery and stuff 
with Robert and apologizing to Robert when Robert has done this awful thing to her and to Irish Tina. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, Robert's like all strong and, you know, and secretly recording her and figures things out right away, you know. Yeah, Robert. (laughs) Robert figures things out. Robert. (laughs) When it took forever for Michelle and Irish Tina to figure out things. Oh, months. Yeah. Right. And, you know, it's Robert. He's not that kind of character who's going to be sneaky and, and recording her. And she would not give all of that up. I don't think. No. I... Because when they're in the hospital, both of them say, well, we're not, we'll make something up. We're mm-hmm. not. There was nothing. She could have just said, I had no idea. Sorry, I thought you were a murderer. Right. As far as the police no are idea. concerned, Michelle's really told them nothing. Right. No. Other than the fact that things that were true. Right. The, Robert had the, a sterile the only problem thing, and immigration problem. Right. The only thing, the only person who might not be in the clear at this moment is just Irish Tina. Mm-hmm. You know, because they can't really peg the whole sat-nav thing. But she had a perfectly good alibi as well. She was, right. She had an argument with her ex, which she did. Right. She went to stay at a hotel, which she did. Right. There's nothing illegal about that. No. And she didn't answer her phone. Well, she was upset. And she didn't want to talk to anybody. And it's she didn't no, want to see anybody. no legal obligation to answer no, the phone. So. absolutely not. So it's all, their, their plan has collapsed far too easily. Yeah, just and Michelle by Michelle, has collapsed just, far too easily. You know, forgetting that she has a spine. Right, what a shit all of character. A <laughs> you know, she was so good. I was finally like, this is great. I love this. And then she just falls into a puddle. Right. It's infuriating. Right. What's your moment of the week? <sighs> Roy and Carla having a picnic in the hallway. Well, I've already taken the screen grab. It's Roy speaking to Nina <laughs> through the letterbox. <laughs> That's just such a good shot. Oh, go fuck yourself. But I mean, <laughs> that's still kind of the whole thing. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's part and parcel of the whole thing. The whole Nina, Roy, Carla thing. Right. Yes. Metaphorically, like I said, it was just a beautiful way to show the emotional distance between the two people. Right. And the dialogue was top-notch as well. And that's our... Moment of the week. Moment of the week. Boring moment of the week. <sighs> that fucking train set was just so dull. Okay, I was going to say Rita crying over pictures. That was sad. But there was absolutely nothing in Roy and Richard playing with trains. Although them listening to the match was kind of boring as well. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We'll just give it to... No, we can't give it to them in general because we like them. And and plus, Roy's just one moment of the week. Right, yeah. See, that's the the problem with that. Um, Oh, the train set. Just give it to the train set. Faye being moody? No, it was funny. It was funny. Well, it was... That wasn't funny. Nick's reaction to it was funny. It was kind of like, remember Nick being upset because Bernie was using a whole booth to hold her stuff the other day and was just standing there with his stuff? Right. It's like they don't really have very much of a storyline to give Ben Price, so they're just giving him funny, weird things to do. (laughs) Because they've got to use him. Mm Mm-hmm. Because he's there? Right. Because he keeps on showing up for work. <laughs> oh, fuck what we need to do now. All right, trains. Trains is our... 
Boring moment of the week. Boring moment of the week. Shall we wrap this up for the year then? Yeah, wrap please. it up in a nice bow, stick a fork in it. The talk of the street for 2019 is done. If Yay. you've recently faked your own death and need someone to help deliver your baby in a seedy hotel, put your request in on writing to us at thetalkofthestreet at gmail.com, which is also our Skype address if you want to leave a voicemail. We all almost had one of those this week. Or drop a couple of badgers in our virtual tip jar on PayPal. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode. Have a Merry Christmas if you celebrate it, and have a happy and prosperous... Or a happy Hanukkah, or a happy Kwanzaa, or a happy Solstice. Happy Holidays. Yes. And have a happy and prosperous And Hogmanay. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with more... Or talk on the street. Talk to the street. Cheerio. Bye. This episode was brought to you by Donahue Solicitors, an award-winning firm of expert compensation claims lawyers. Donahue Solicitors represents claimants throughout England and Wales in their civil actions against the police, data breach, personal injury, and professional negligence claims. To start your compensation claim, go to www.donahue-solicitors.co.uk or call 08000-124-246 today.